we are in week three of talking about living financially free. How many of you have picked up at least one principle that you can take into your life and begin to use it? Yeah? That's a good thing. We're going to be talking about another principle today. And I just want to preface by saying this, and you've heard me say it before, that God cares an awful lot about resources and finances and what we do with our money. There are over 2,000 scriptures in the Bible that have to do with, with resources and money and, and what we do with it. The reason is because, again, God cares about it. Now, you would say, why does God care so much about my money? He doesn't need my money. He's God. He owns everything. It's not so much that God needs our money or cares about it like that, but he cares deeply about the things that have a propensity to control us. And the reason is because God knows we need it because we have to live here, and he wants to be our source for it. And when we try to take ownership over our money, our money begins to take ownership over us. And so God cares an awful lot about it because of that. And so we're talking about living financially free. And just a reminder, if you would like to have these sermon notes, you can get them by emailing info at bridgechurch.cc. Um, if you have your Bible app with you today and you want to check the notes out there, you can do that. Open up the Bible app, go to events, and scroll down to the Bridge Goldsboro. And if you tweet or you Facebook anything today or you want to check in right now, it's a really cool thing to do. Make sure you hashtag living financially free. You got it? That's a lot, isn't it? Somebody had to show me how to check in one time because I totally didn't know how to do it. So if, if you're that person checking in, you look around, you're seeing some confused faces, just share. But God cares about our money. He knows we need it, and he wants to be the source of it. In fact, Philippians 4.19 says this, my God will meet what? What's the next word? All of our needs, according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. He wants to be the source for meeting all your needs. Now, that's an awesome promise from God, isn't it? I mean, can you imagine everything that we need, everything we could possibly imagine, he is the source of it, and he wants to provide it. That's his part, and he's good at his part because he's faithful. But we have a part, too. We have a part in that. We just can't go relax and sit on the beach somewhere and just wait for God to dump it into our lives. Every promise that we have in the scriptures also has a premise, and the premise is our part. He says he promises to meet all of our needs, and the premise is this, for those who are in Christ. So when we take our finances and we say, God, we understand that it's yours. We learned that in week two. Nothing I have is mine. Psalm says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. When we begin to understand that it's his and we begin to walk in a God-honoring way when it comes to our finances, this is what happens. When you manage your finances God's way, he makes up the difference between what you're capable of doing and what you need. That is an awesome, awesome promise of God, but it relies on us doing our part. Now, I just want to give full disclosure this morning. This is going to be interesting. It's going to be fun if we'll, if we'll listen and if we'll apply. But full disclosure, we're going to talk about debt. Yeah, you're like the only person, whoever that was, that is excited about talking about debt. And, and, and debt is a really good thing to talk about because the fact is, is that we all are affected by it in some way, aren't we? We all are. And for some of you, when we talk about these principles today, you're, you may be nailing them. You may be just like doing awesome. And for some of you, you may not be doing so well. But before we go any further, this is the rule for today. Everybody turn your ears on. This is a no beating yourself up environment, okay? I'm going to say it again because I said it, but you didn't hear me. This is a no beating yourself up environment. 
No self-condemners today. Okay, so when we talk about these principles, whether you're doing really good or whether you're not doing so hot, we need to understand we're going to let the Word of God motivate us. You, you may be at like the bottom of the barrel when it comes to doing this stuff right, but you can look up. And we're going to let this be something that goes into our hearts and we can take steps forward, okay? All right, so I want to give you five. I'm going to go through these really quick, but I'm going to give you five reasons why we need to get out of debt. And then we're going to talk about six principles of the how. Because that's really what we want to know, right? So first one is this. Debt undermines your happiness. Debt undermines your happiness. Now, don't, I'm not talking about joy. Happiness is a very temporal thing. It has to do with our circumstances, what happens around us. Joy is that deep-seated thing down deep in our spirits that God gives that can't be taken away no matter what our circumstances are. You know what I'm talking about? That, that's what God gives. That happens in a spiritual nature, down in the d- deepest parts of us. Happiness is something that debt can affect, and it undermines our happiness because when we go spend money on anything, when we're neck deep in debt, it doesn't matter if it's, if it's going out to eat at a restaurant or buying a stick of gum, we're automatically going to be thinking in the back of our heads, I shouldn't be doing this, I should be getting out of debt. And so it always becomes a guilt thing. Debt undermines your happiness, but saving increases it. Saving increases your happiness. It, I don't know what it does, but something, whenever I'm able to put money in the bank and look at that bank statement and see a little progress, my, my happiness meter just goes up, right? And so that, that's the first principle, why we need to get out of debt. Second one is, is this, debt obligates you to earning pressures, earning pressures. Man, when we have debt, increasing debt, man, we just feel obligated to have to earn more income to be able to pay it, pay it off or at the very least make the monthly payments. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and I've seen some people get into debt, and they, they buy this and buy that, and they say, well, I'll just get another job, or I'll, I'll get off work and, and run here and make more money. And so when we incur debt, it automatically has the pressure that comes along with it to have to earn more money. But saving relieves that pressure. Here's the reality. In our, t- our day and time, some people get laid off of work. It, it's just a fact. And if you've got debt up to your eyeballs, or if you've got debt that's adding pressure to your life, then there, there comes the pressure. you got to get a job next week, right? Maybe even tomorrow, depending on what your situation is. But when you have savings in the bank, that pressure, you have cushion. That pressure goes away. You automatically don't have to take the first job that comes along, do you? Now, you know what? i I, I got some pressure. I have some, some breathing or some pressure-free breathing room. Maybe I'll, I'll wait a little bit. So, so uh, debt obligates you to earning pressures, but saving relieves it. Number three, debt limits your giving potential. Let's just be honest. When you're a fully devoted follower of Christ, there's going to be times where God puts it on your heart to give. And most of us try to ignore that sometimes, don't we? Is God really asking me to give, you know? But but here's the fact. God is a giver. It's his very nature. And aren't you glad? Ultimately, he gave his only son to die for us. He is a giver by nature, and he says he wants us to to be like him. We were made in his image. We actually have within ourselves the DNA, the potential to be great givers. And so God is going to lay it on your heart when you're a fully devoted follower of Christ to give. But when you're in debt, you may have the joy of wanting to give, but you just can't because your, your money's tied up in other places. One of the biggest joys you'll ever have in your life is an opportunity to give to a really good cause. It's just a fact, whether it's a a homeless person or someone in your family that's in need and they're struggling, or even if it's the offering fit for a king that we're getting ready to do together next week. 
because this money is going to something that's amazing. Not only this church has so many ministries that it funds so that people can know Christ. And not only that, but we talked about it. If you've never tithed before, and I'm just going to throw this in there, this is an opportunity for you to test God. It's the one place in Scripture that he says you can test me and you can try me in this and see if I won't do what I say. Remember the promise and the premise? He says you do your part, bring the whole tithe, and see if I won't pour out blessings so much that you're not able to contain it. Now, how many of you would like that? How many of you are just like, just be honest, you would say, you know what, I'm in need of a blessing. <laughs> I'm in need of something. God invites you to test him. This isn't Pastor Ryan's words. If it was, I might be too scared to say it. But I, I'm completely unashamed when it comes to speaking to you God's word and what he says. Because he's the one that has to deal with it, not me. It's, it's not my promise. It's his promise. So I'm going to tell you. And, and when you're in debt, sometimes if we're just honest, if we're talking about offering fit for a king, you're not able to give like you probably would inside. What you kind of decide in your heart that you want to do, what you feel maybe God calling you to do, maybe what could be joy becomes drains. It just drains your joy. Debt limits your giving potential. Saving enhances it. Some people have a savings account that's just for giving. I've heard of these types of people. They're amazing. You may have a certain amount that you put in the bank. It's a giving fund, right? And when God calls them to give, they're able to do it immediately. And they're able to do it joyfully. Number four, reason why you should get out of debt. Debt diminishes your Christian witness. Now, this isn't something that we typically think about. But the quickest way to discourage someone who's seeking genuine Christianity, let them see a professed, fully devoted follower of Christ mismanage their money. It just it throws them all off kilter. In fact, a lot of Christian churches today are known in the business world as being broke and not paying their bills. When I first started in ministry 15 years ago, I worked at a church, and we had this roof leak. Um, and this was a, a great church, so this didn't describe them. But we had a roof leak, and we called uh, the most reputable roofers in town because we wanted the best because we wanted to make sure it got fixed. It's a big facility. And you know what they told us immediately? Very nice, but they said, we don't work with churches. It's our policy. I said, really? I said, what's the reason for that? He said, because churches all over this town don't pay their bills. He, was, he was, wasn't rude. He was very nice. But he said, it's the church folk that have the most outstanding bills, and we end up getting way late in the process. So we don't, we don't work with churches. Did you know that when we're broke and when we're up to our eyeballs in debt as Christians and we're one decision away from financial disaster, what kind of name does that give the God who we profess provides for us? It gives him a horrible name. So debt can diminish, I say it does diminish your Christian witness, but saving empowers it. When you give your life to Jesus and you start managing your money God's way, when you begin to show God that you can handle what he's given you to manage, blessings are going to start to flow into your life. That's his promise. And when we handle the premise part, he handles the promise part, and when you start to flourish like that, other people are going to see it. And when other people begin to see it, it's a conversation right there. What's, what's going on in your life? I gave my life and my heart and my everything about me to Jesus. And he's, he's handling the rest. Saving empowers your Christian witness. One of the biggest motivators to me, this is number five, is debt enslaves you to the lender. If you can imagine a ball and, and, and chains, that's the picture that the, the scriptures give us. In Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7, he says this, The borrower is slave 
to the lender. Every time you sign up for a debt, every time you do that, you give a slice of your freedom away to a creditor. They say hey, jump, you say how high. You know, they couldn't care less you know, what your finances are like. They want their monthly payment, don't they? They, they want it, and they're going to get it. And if, if you've ever been down this road, I pray you haven't, but if you've ever been down the road of being behind, it will eventually get to what you call the ugly calls. And that's their, 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 their people that are calling, going after their money, and they don't care what your life is like. Their job, fully and totally rude, they will suck the life out of you. They want their money. And so when it, this, this scripture verse will come to life, the, the borrower is slave to the lender. Saving sets you free. That's what saving does. Debt enslaves you. Savings sets you free. We, we ran some numbers to illustrate uh, what this looks like this past week. The average American is $25,000 in credit card debt. Now, that may not be you. You may be lower than that. You may be higher than that. That's not the point of this. But the average American is $25,000 in credit card debt at 18%. Now, I can promise you, they're not there to work for you. <laughs> they are there to get your money. And we, we ran these numbers. I just want you to listen to them real fast. Uh, don't let your eyes glaze over. Just listen to this. If you cut that card up and never used it again, and that's the debt you were in, and you just begin making payments at $376.62 a month for 30 years, that's how long it would take you to pay it off? Listen to what you would have paid. You'd have paid $112,842.67 in interest. Interest, that's not including the $25,000. In total, you'll have paid $137,842.67 and absolutely nothing to show for it in the end. Let me just reverse that. Let's say you take that same $376.62 a month and you start a retirement account. Okay? And you put 100 bucks in there to start it, and you start with 6% uh, interest. You're going to deposit that same amount for 30 years, and at the end of that 30 years, you will have deposited that $135,583.20, but you will have earned $243,339.51 in interest paid to you. You see how it flip-flops there? This is what happens when you work for your money or your money works for you. In total, after, after 30 years, you will have $378,922.71. Now, I'm no math major, but that looks good. The only difference is you were the lender this time, and the bank works for you, and you lend them your money, and they pay you interest. I, I want to be on that side of the equation, don't you? So how do we get there? That's the question that we need to know. And we have to take a really good look at where we are currently and not look at where we're not. Because I think a lot of times we, we don't want to be in debt and we, we just ignore it and we push it out to the side. But we want to take an honest look at it today. Okay? Now remember, here's, here's the rules. No beating yourself up. But we're going to go through these six principles and I want you to evaluate yourself where you are on a scale of 0 to 10. 0, you're just like, you're, you're not doing it at all, right? In 10, you're knocking it out of the park. So I want you to grab a note card or a piece of paper, um, and I want you to write this down. Now, I don't want you to look at people's papers. Please don't do that, because they're likely to put you in debt right here in the sanctuary. That was a joke, okay? We're not going to do that to each other today. No beating yourself up, but I want you to be honest with yourself, okay? And we're going to talk about six principles to getting out of debt. We have the why. Let's talk about the how. The first thing you need to do is you got to keep good records. You have to keep good records. This sounds easy, but a lot of people don't do it. Proverbs 27, verses 23 and 24 says this. Riches can disappear fast, 
So watch your business interests closely. Solomon's basically saying this. You're never going to know financial freedom until you keep good records. You have to keep a look at it. you got to know how you're doing. Be realistic here. How am I doing? And when you're thinking about keeping good records, there's four things that you need to have on record that you need to know. The first is you need to know what you owe, all your debt. What do you owe? What's that number look like? And once you fall off the, get up off the floor, maybe, <laughs> you're going to know it. Don't ignore it. That's the worst thing you can do is live in denial about what your current financial situation. Know what you owe. Know what you own. Know what your assets are. Know what you earn. What, what, what does that paycheck look like? What kind of income are you looking at? And know what you spend. Where is your money going out? Okay? What Your electric bill, everything. What, where is it going? Write it down and keep a log. I said this Thursday night. It wasn't in the notes, but I'm going to say it now, too. If, if you have to have a conversation with your spouse that doesn't, isn't going to be pretty, have that conversation. Because you guys got to do that together. And if you're not honest about where you are financially, then all you're doing is prolonging the inevitable, and that is a house divided against itself, and the scriptures are clear when it says it will fall. So if there's a conversation you have to have with your spouse about some things maybe that you're not proud of financially, you need to have that conversation. Okay? That's all I'm going to say about that. But in order to, to know what you owe, what you own, what you earn, and what you spend, you've got to be realistic and honest with yourself and keep a good record of that. Okay? So I want to know how you're doing. Let's evaluate. Uh, zero, I don't bother to balance my checkbook, and I just take whatever the bank says I've got. Give yourself a big old goose egg right there. Okay? And I know that's, that sounds hard, and I'm sorry, but y y in order to get out of the debt that you're in, you have to know what you got, and you have to, you have to be able to compare that. Um, maybe you want to give yourself somewhere around the middle of the way, maybe a five. And that looks like, you know, I balance my checkbook, but I don't know what my net worth is. I, I, I kind of balance it, but the whole picture, what I owe, own, earn, and spend, I'm not looking at the whole picture. I'm just looking at, you know, a piece of that. Maybe middle of the way, you're going to give yourself a five. And all the way to a ten looks like I know what I owe, I know what I own, I know what I earn every month, and I know what I'm spending. I have a clear I'm on some type of plan, and I, I know all those things. Give yourself a 10. You may be anywhere in that range from 0 to 10, okay? But I want you to be honest with yourself, and I want you to evaluate. Write that number down. So we got to keep good records, and that involves part of step two, which is this. And you're going to love this one. you got to develop a budget. Everybody just say boo. Just go ahead and just get, get, and get it out. Nobody likes to hear the word budget. Um, because why? We we think automatically that we're going to be sitting home eating beans while our friends are out eating steak, right? We're, we're going to be having to say no to a lot of stuff. That's the, that's the mentality we get when we hear the word budget. We have to say no and stay home and eat leftovers, and everybody else is going to be having a good time and having fun, right? That's really not what it is. Whenever you have a budget, you actually help yourself. You actually get to decide, listen, you get to decide what goes in the budget. Does that make sense? Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5 says this. If this doesn't help you, good planning and hard work lead to what? Prosperity. That sounds good. It says, but hasty shortcuts, it leads to poverty. What would you, what word, which one would you use to describe your life with and without a budget? Would, would it be prosperous or impoverished right now? And so a budget is going to help us get there. Now, it may mean some cutbacks for some of you. 
depending on what you what happens in your life financially and the mess or the, the great deal that you've made with your money. But but here's the deal. Having a budget just means that you're naming every dollar. That's all it means. It means when it comes in, you're still dealing with the same amount of money, but instead of just kind of floating around out there, not really knowing what's going on, you've got a name attached to every dollar, okay? And we learned when we talked about planning that the first 10%, what name goes on that? That's God. That's God's money. That's, that's the beautiful part of that. You can go back and listen to that. It's really awesome of what, what God says he'll do with that 10%. The next 10% goes to savings. You're going to pay yourself. And then the next 80%, that's what you're living off of. But you got to name every dollar. you got to name it. Um, after that, you decide what goes in the budget. You, you decide. Um, if there's money left over after your tithe, after your savings, then you decide what goes in there. If you want to name some of that money movie money, name it. Put it in there. If you want to name some of that money hunting money, then name it. You get to decide what goes in there. Maybe it's clothes money. You get to decide. But the goal is this. You name every single dollar, and you stick with it. Okay? Don't, don't let me lose you here. We're, we're flying high. I, you got to have a budget. you got to name every dollar. Now, if, you're, if you start this budget thing, and you just can't seem to get it straight, you don't know what's going on, but you're not honoring God with your money, there's little to no savings going in the savings account, and you're not naming every dollar, then you're doing it wrong. You can't just say, I have a budget, and then ignore it. That's like saying, I plan to lose weight, but I'm not going to diet or exercise. Come on, we've all been there. Let's not just, let's hold our head up high. I mean, you judge yourself typically on what you intend to do, but you judge everybody else on what actually gets done. That's why when you, when you say you want to go on a diet, and you just have that in your heart and mind to do, and you decide it, in your brain, you've already lost 15 pounds, Right? But everybody looks at you and you're like, man, you need to hit the gym, <laughs> right? You need to go ahead and put some, some walking feet to what you said with your mouth. And that's the same thing with our finances. We can't just say we have a budget, do it one time, and then ignore it. Uh, or else it, this isn't going to get done. We won't get out of debt. Every dollar you don't name, it gets spent somewhere. It will. It'll find its way to Starbucks. It'll find its way to Target. It'll find its way to any other place that you like to go. Because in your mind, you've got it there to spend on whatever you want. You haven't named it, and so it slips away. Okay, so let's let's evaluate there for a second. I have a written budget. I have short range goals, long range goals. I know where every dollar is going. Give yourself a ten. I don't see anybody writing right now. <laughs> Y'all are waiting for the next one. Like, what's what's the next one? Maybe somewhere middle of the way, a five. Uh, I've written a budget, but I'm not careful to follow it. We've all been there, right? That that's kind of a midway point. You can name from anywhere from ten to five in there. Where are you at? And this is interesting, but maybe you're saying this, and I'll just go ahead and tell you, this is, this is at the bottom, zero. Maybe you say, I don't have enough money to do a budget. Or, you know what, I actually make so much money that you know, I'm not really worried about it. It's pointless to make a budget. Then you get a zero. Because the fact is, even if you don't make enough money, you can still name every dollar and where it's going and set yourself up for God to bless you. He wants you to be honest, and he wants you to have integrity about what he's currently given you. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, when you can show God that you're a good manager, a good steward, which, by the way, all that means is I manage the finances of somebody else. That's what a steward means. When you can show God you can do that, he's going to bless you with more. He is. you got to start now. Or maybe you're saying, you know, I make so much money, I don't even, it doesn't even make a difference whether I make a budget or not. Let me tell you, that's, that's wrong because in the same sense, you're not being a good manager of what God has given you. 
Would you trust somebody else? I mean, can you imagine owning a business and having money and putting it in there and the CFO you hire doesn't even have a budget? That's like when God gives to us and we're like, meh, we'll just kind of float by. If that's you, then you got somewhere to look up to. I want to encourage you today. You got somewhere to look up to and with God's help, you can do it. Make a budget. I spent a little bit of time on that because that, that's really a foundational point. None of, the, none of the rest of this will really make sense if you don't have a budget and name every dollar, okay? If you, think of, if you think of having a budget, think of money like water and think of a budget like the plumbing that you direct that water where you want it to go, okay? And it can go wherever you want it to go. You decide what the plumbing looks like, but you make the plumbing, and the plumbing is that budget, and you put that water wherever you want it, okay? Does that make sense? All right, that's for all you um, creative people out there. That illustration was for you. Step three, enjoy what you already have. This is killer for getting out of debt because this will cut your spending drastically, the extra spending that you have, when you begin to take off your, your eyes off of what you don't have and put your eyes on what you've got and learn to appreciate it. Enjoy what you have. There are amazing rationalizations that we make when it comes to money. I mean, isn't it amazing when you want a new car, how old yours starts looking all of a sudden? That paint just don't look as good as it did. You know, it just it, it looks a little bit rusty all of a sudden. It looks a little bit worse. I could really use a new one. You know, then we start thinking of things. You know, my kids really don't fit in here like they should. And I could probably use something. But it's so hard to put the seat down. And you're like and you're up to your eyeballs in debt. We're already making excuses of why we're going to go 30000 more to get a new car. And I... It's absolutely ridiculous when it comes to what we need, right, and operating in a budget in terms of what we have. Um, I knew a guy one time. This, this actually happened. He needed new tires on his car, and he talked himself into getting a new car because he needed new tires. And he said, well, if the money's been 800 bucks, it makes sense to go ahead and get a new car now. And I'm like, no, it doesn't, <laughs> you know. But he did, and about four days later, he said, that was the dumbest thing I've ever done. But we, we can make some amazing rationalizations when we're not enjoying and being content with what we have. Philippians chapter 4, verse 12 and 13 says this. This is Paul talking. By the way, this guy had, had gone. He had seen everything, really bad and really good and everything in between. And he says very bluntly, look, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. Here's the key line here. But I've learned the secret. Say learn the secret. I've, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether I'm, I'm well-fed and I've got everything I need or whether I'm hungry and I'm living in lack. Whether I'm living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And that's Jesus. And that's the secret. Is when we begin to understand that all these voids that we have in our lives, experts will tell you this irrational spending and just going out and getting more and more and more, we're trying to fill something inside. We're ignoring something and trying to fill something inside a lot of the times. And when we can begin to understand that in Christ Jesus, he fills my every need. He fills my every want. Those voids I have inside of me, when I turn to him and I begin to have this relationship with him and, and walk in his love and I begin to realize how blessed I really am, that's the secret right there. And I can, I can begin to understand that I, I, I can have anything and everything in him. I'm not talking about material possessions. Please understand me. But when I begin to understand who Jesus is and what he's done for me, and I walk in and through him, 
a lot of those things that I want all of a sudden, just extra stuff, it goes away because I'm, I'm learning to be content in who I am in him. And that void you feel, all of a sudden you'll be so thankful for everything you have. You'll be looking around at stuff on your shelf, and you won't even begin to even know why you're, you're thanking God for it. You'll open up the cabinet and go, man, look at all this cereal in here. I don't even have to uh, wonder where my kid's breakfast is coming from. Am I talking to anybody in here? I know I'm getting a little bit fun when I'm preaching like this. A lot of this is teaching. Sometimes I preach and teach. It's called treaching, you know. But you just begin to look at everything in your house, and you're like, wow. Maybe I haven't been as thankful as, as I should have. Look at, look at what God's blessed me with. And you just begin to get content. So that's step three. Enjoy what you have. Can I get an amen for that? We got to enjoy what we have. Okay? Let's evaluate. Maybe you've been thinking, you know what? Things don't satisfy me. But as soon as I get that blank, you know, whatever it is, then I'll be happy. Well, then you get a zero right there. Because if you're saying, as soon as I get whatever it is, then I'll, be, then I'll be happy, then we're not really looking and being thankful for what we currently have. So that, that, that's a zero. Maybe you're saying, I'm thankful for what God has blessed me with, and I'm committed to take care of it. But if I lost everything I had today, I would still be joyful. I would still be happy because I know who I am in Jesus. And that's a 10. And maybe you're somewhere in between. You know, Don't beat yourself up if, if you're not a 10. Because we all have work to do. And sometimes I think we think, you know, just because we're not at a 10 right now, then we're not a good Christian. Let me just go ahead and tell you that's not true. Because that's why we live in America and they make these infomercials. And you're buying these ninja blenders which you can blend all this stuff and you can chop all these things really fast. And half of us in here looking at it, myself included, I'm not going to lie, and we're like, I want that. You know, if I had that, then the smoothies that I don't ever make, I could make them quicker. <laughs> right? And we're just sucked right in. Call right now, and then you get two of them. And I'm like, wow, i got to have it. I can, I can get it, and I can give one to somebody else. They will think I am so cool, right? No. <laughs> and, and, and when uh, we understand that we don't have to be a 10, but we just got to be struggling with it a little bit and come to God with it and say, God, I need you to help me. And that's okay. But let's be striving after being content and enjoying what we have, all right? Let's look at number four. And that's this, give some away. Step number four to getting out of debt is to give some of what you have away. Now, you may look at me and say, okay, look, the first three are good. The first three are plausible. They even make sense. But this absolutely <laughs> makes no sense whatsoever. Here's the truth. If you can work those first three principles all day long, and you may even clear debt. But if you don't learn to be a generous person, then you're not going to have any joy. I don't care what you do. There was a study done um, about the most common disciplines of millionaires and billionaires, and they did a, a, a study on this, and they took a group of men and women that were, by all standards, wealthy, very affluent, millionaires and billionaires. And these weren't people that inherited money and kind of grew up as spoiled kids um, or people that had money overnight, like a lotto winner or something like that. These are men and women who grew wealth and worked hard, and they begin to say, what sustained you? I mean, you've had all this money for all this time. What, what is it that sustains you? What is, what's, the, what's the ingredient here that everybody you know, is missing? What, what do they want to know? 
And they begin to ask these questions, and there were different business models that they came up with, and there were different hires that they made at different times in order to kind of build the stepping stones of their businesses. But do you know the one ingredient, the one thing that rose to the top, and, and they all had in common across the board? It was generosity. And that, that really amazed me, but they all gave money away, every one of them. And some of these were professed Christians, some of them weren't. But they understood something very plainly, and that is when I have any type of finances, and this is something they did from the beginning, when I've been given, it's my responsibility to give some of that away. And they, they begin to talk about the joy that it gave them. They had, some of them had no idea that that was actually God-given joy because that's what he wired them to do is be generous. And he, they, they all said it. And I want to tell you, there's two kinds of people. There's givers and there's takers. And takers are never going to be content because taking, if that's all you do, that is completely uh, centered around self-centeredness. It's about me. It's about my interests. But the antidote to being self-centered is putting others first. It's generosity. It's saying that I'm going to take what I have and I'm going to give up for somebody else. And, I, and I'm going to do it until it hurts, right? I'm going to do it until it costs me something. Interestingly, we see generosity at the center of some of the most blessed people in society today. That's why Solomon wrote this in Proverbs 22, verse 9. He says, a generous person will be blessed because he shares his food with the poor. A generous person will be blessed because they take what they have and they give it to somebody else. They take a percentage, a part of, of what they have when they see a need, and they're always pliable. Their hearts are always willing to give. So let's evaluate today. Where am I at? Maybe you're at the place where you're like, you know what? I struggle with that, and I don't give anything to anybody. It's mine. This is my life. This is my story. You only live once, and, and if I give to somebody, it's going to be a big deal. But right now, it's just mine. This is the way I think. Then let's just be honest with ourselves in the context that we're talking about and just give yourself a zero. No beating yourself up, but let's get real with each other. Can we? we we, we got to be honest. Maybe you say, you know, I give what I can now and again, but my overall mentality is I can't afford to do that. But sometimes, I, I, maybe you're somewhere in the middle. But maybe you say, you know what, I'm, I maintain margin in my finances just for the purpose of giving because I understand what it means to be able to have that joy and be God-honoring. And I want to be just like him because he's already blessed me with so much. And, and I actually maintain margin in my finances so that, I'm able to give. Give yourself a 10. And I just want to tell you that along with this, and I'm, we give you an opportunity here at the bridge to be able to practice this, and we talked about it last week, and that's this envelope that you got when you came in the door today. And if you've already got one, you, you know what it is. Maybe you've been here around and you know what offering fit for a king is, but it's not a time to come and say, I'm not coming that week. <laughs> you know what I mean? Some of you have already said it. Don't lie. I'm, we're going to the beach next week. Let me tell you something. You would be missing out on one of the biggest opportunities, not only to have joy in your life, but to open up a door for God to bless you in ways that you haven't been blessed yet. And I thought for sure everybody in this room would be saying amen to that. Some of us need. Some of us are like, you know what, I don't know what I'm going to do. But this is an opportunity for, for you to say, God, I want to take what you tell me seriously. And I want to test you and try you in this. And I want to watch you do it for me what nobody else on this planet has been able to do. 
and I want to bring my best. And we're all going to take this step together. And, and maybe some of you have already been praying about it. And I want to go ahead and tell you, inside this envelope is a conversation starter with your family so that you can have that conversation and say, you know what, what are we going to do and how are we going to give together? And I'm just going to go ahead and say this. This is not an opportunity. This is not an opportunity for you to trick your spouse because they're not into it, okay? And say, well, I'm going to do it myself. You've got to be together on this. A house divided against itself cannot stand. It will fall. So you've got to have that conversation together. There's also a note from Pastor Jim in there, and I want you to be able to read that. But this is an opportunity for us to take a step together and really understand what it means not just to, to throw money. God really doesn't care about the number. He cares about our hearts. And are we being pliable to grow and become generous people? Are we? So I want you just to evaluate that uh, in your own life, in your own heart, and with your family. And I just got to say, I'm excited to be able to give with you guys next week. I really am. And we're, we're going to make this a big deal because there's a lot of people in here that are really going to be talking about making some big commitments to God. Because they're tired of living their lives financially for themselves. You know what? If the fact is, is if we, could, if we could be successful and out of debt ourselves, we'd have done it already. But the fact is that we need God. We need God to do this. And what we're doing is we're sowing the first seed and saying, Lord, we're going to do this together, and we want you to honor it. We're going to take what we've worked hard for. We're going to give it to you, Lord, and we want you to use it for your glory. And we want you to, to bring it back to us in full, just like you said you would. Amen? Step five, you got to get help. When you get out of debt, you got to get help. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. And I'm, I'm closing down here. Stay with me. It says, two are better than one because they get more done when they work together. If one falls down, the other one can help them up. But it is bad for the person who falls alone because no one is there to help. And whenever we're trying to get out of debt, it's, it's a difficult thing sometimes. And we need accountability. we got to put people in our lives that will tell us the truth. we got to maybe sometimes get help from somebody who's further along than we are. And I could go ahead and tell you that first person is your spouse. A lot of times it's, it's the spouse. It's your wife or it's your husband that you can pull alongside of you and say, let's do this thing together. And, and, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you, it may not stop there. Maybe you need to get another couple in. And I'm not talking about your, your broke uh, cousin and his wife, you know. They're not going to offer any help. You want to get somebody who's out of debt or who's well on their way to getting out of debt and understands these principles and are already living this way. Because they're, they're going to be the ones that hold your feet to the fire and that actually get you results in your life and, and, and does something really good for you that you couldn't do by yourself. It's going to help to ensure that you do what you say you would, and you do what you're capable of doing. That's important because you're capable a lot of times of doing more than you actually do because sometimes we don't put the accountability in our lives. Are you hearing me? So some, we, sometimes we just need help, and that accountability will help us to ensure that we do what we say we would do and do what we're capable of doing when it comes to getting out of debt, putting these principles in our lives. The Bridge offers a class, and I just want to plug this, and, and I love the name of it because you couldn't have named it anything better. The class is called this, I Was Broke, Now I'm Not. <laughs> I can just see some people sitting in a room somewhere. What, what, what should we call this? Well, let's just call it what it is. I was broke. And now I'm not. And this is a six-week class that is free for you. I think there's just a, a book involved, so you may have a small purchase to do that. But this is a six-week class that you can sign up for for free. You can go to thebridgechurch.cc, uh, scroll to events, go down to I was broke and now I'm not, and click register. And it starts on October 4th. 
And maybe you're at the place where you're like, you know what, I want to go ahead and, and enlist some help in my life right now. This is going to fast track you to figure that, figure that out. But you can find out about it at thebridgechurch.cc. So you got to get help, okay? So where are you at with that? Well, some of you hadn't started that yet. But maybe you want to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get help. I need help. And that's a decision that, that you can make today. Step six, this is the last one. You got to be patient. This is important because so many of us want to get out of debt and we want to do it today. We want to do it now. And the fact is, is we didn't get in debt overnight, right? And we're not going to get out of debt overnight either. We got to be patient. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 says this, it's better to finish something than it is to start it. There's more celebration when you cross the finish line than when you start something. And it's better to be patient than to be proud. It equates quitting early or not following through or trying to get real quick instead of slowing down. It equates that to being proud. It said, but when you're patient, man, eventually you're going you're gonna to cross that finish line, and that will be the best day of your life, even better than when you started. Getting out of debt can take time. And we got to understand that. And when we grow our finances and when we, we understand the principles of getting out of debt, we're going to grow. And the most solid growth you can have is slow growth, okay? If I were to ask you, what would you rather have, a microwavable dinner when you leave church today or a home-cooked meal, what would you say? Unanimously. Now, whether or not that's what you're going to get or not, I can't <laughs> answer that. But every one of us would say, I want a home-cooked meal. I grew up in an Italian family. And uh, I was very blessed to be able to have some home-cooked sauce. That thing took two days to make. It would simmer, and you try to get a meatball out of it and get your hand smacked, you wouldn't. But it was the best because it took time for those flavors to blend together, and nobody wanted it cooked quick. Matter of fact, if you said you could cook that sauce in two hours, you'd get smacked. You can't do it because the best stuff takes time. And your life getting out of debt is going to be so awesome for you but it's, it may just take time. And the fact is, is that God doesn't just simply want to get you out of debt. He wants to make you a better person in the process. He wants to put disciplines in your life. So by the time you cross the finish line, you're going to know what it is. They're not just going to be things you followed one time, but they're going to be a part of who you are. And those are the types of people that when you get on the other side of it, people are going to come wanting to see what you did to get out of debt, and then you can turn that, be generous in another way. You get to pour yourself out to somebody else who's struggling, and that will be the best day of your life, when you can actually take what you've learned and pour it out to somebody else. So I've given you the why we need to get out of debt, and I've given you six practical steps to start that process. Now, the only missing element is you and me in a decision that, you know what, we're not going to be on the wrong side of the interest equation. We're going to say, I choose to be financially free. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, we need God's help with this. We, we need his help. Some of us are in dire straits when it comes to money, and we need God to help us as we go down this journey. And it's not a shameful thing to say, God, I need you. Because the fact is, the scripture at the beginning said, he wants to give us everything that we need according to his riches and his glory in Christ Jesus. And when we start turning and moving towards him in a God-honoring way financially, he will give us everything we need. But before he ever addresses our earthly need, he wants the opportunity to address your spiritual need. 
And I just got to go ahead and tell you, when you're trying to get out of debt and you're trying to do it God's way, your first step is not your checkbook. Your first step is at the foot of the cross and saying, God, I need you. I need you to come into my life. What an awesome illustration we had just today with the baptisms. You got to start there and say, God, I, I trust you with what you've given me, not just financially, but in, but in Jesus. I can't do it by myself. I can't, I can't make it to heaven by myself. I need you. He paid a debt that was so incredibly huge. And the reason why it was so incredibly huge wasn't because of the suffering necessarily. wasn't because of everything that he went through. But it was because you couldn't pay it yourself. And you can't pay it yourself. And he says, when you believe in me, he says, I come into you. He said, and when you live for me, I bless you. And not only do you have a blessed life on earth, he says, but you have it in the full, and you also guarantee your place in heaven. And that's awesome. That's more than we could ever even ask for. And we couldn't pay that debt ourselves. He did it. So I just want to say, if you're here today and you've not made that decision yet, if you've not said, God, I want you to lead my life because I know I can't do it myself. I can't be good. I can't, I can't make it to heaven myself. I need you. You can make that decision before you leave today. And I just got to go ahead and tell you, it makes living in a God-honoring way when it comes to our finances, it makes all the difference. So what we're going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to end this service by praying, and I want you to follow along. I want you to pray with me. You don't have to pray out loud if you don't want to. God, guess what? God hears your heart. He hears you when you don't even know what to say. He hears the deepest parts of you. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say a prayer today. And if, if you've never given your life to Jesus, then I just want you to agree in your heart. And I want you to talk to him. He can, he can hear you. All right? And then I'm going to pray over our finances too. Let's pray. God, we just, uh, we just come to you right now vulnerably. We come with, to you honestly and with sincerity. The fact is, is that we can't hide from you. We can't hide who we really are on the inside. Lord, and you love us so much. This talk today has the potential to put us all in a really bad mood. <laughs> because, Lord, from me to every person in this room, we've all really messed up with money at one time or another. And sometimes we come to you and it's embarrassing. And when we have these conversations and we have sermons like this, sometimes it feels like we're just not good enough, so why even try? And we walk out of here feeling defeated. Lord, but you said in your word that you conquered a grave so that we could have life. You, you did that. Lord, and, and we just want to ask for forgiveness right now. God, well, we've, well, we've messed up with money or with sin or whatever it else it is that we've messed up and where there's a guilt hovering over us. And we just we want you to help us, God. Help us to understand your love for us. And we just come to you honestly with that right now. And, and church, you, you know what it is in your life that you're bringing to him. He's completely capable of handling it, I promise you. Lord, we need you. We want to live for you. I understand that I'm not good. I understand there's nothing good in me when it comes to my humanity. Lord, everything I have good, it comes from you. I know I don't deserve heaven in and of myself because I'm not perfect, but you sent your perfect son to die in my place, to pay a debt I couldn't pay. You really came to this earth as a human being. You really lived. You really died, and you really rose from the grave. And I just want to tell you, God, that I believe that, and I want to live my life for you. Lord, I know I'm not perfect, but I want to wake up every day, and I want to give you my life once again. 
and I want you to help me to live a God-honoring life. Lord, I pray over our finances right now. Lord, it from A to Z, God, it's in here. You see it. You know it. it doesn't, we, don't, we can't hide it from you. And Lord, we, we're not here saying we're perfect with our money, but we do want to say we want to commit ourselves to you. And we know it's not your will for us to be piled in debt. Your word says it's so clear. God, but we can be debt-free. Even if that looks impossible for some of us in here, you're the God who takes the impossible and you work miracles. It was demonstrated when we, we read in the Bible where there were dead people. God, and you came and you raised them from the grave. When, when our finances seem dead, Lord, you're still capable. And we just commit to you right now, God, that we're, we're going we're gonna to live in a God-honoring way. We're going to live in such a way, Lord, not, not, to, not to think we are something, but in you we can boast and say we're making steps. And I just pray that that would be tangible in our minds today, right now, that we can take a next step. No matter what that step is, we can take it, and it's doable. And we can begin a process right now as we follow these principles we talked about today and, and just offer it to you and say, Lord, we want to do this in and through you. Help us. And we're thankful for the results that you're going to give. In Jesus' name we pray. Can we say amen together? Amen and amen. Guys, I want to tell you something. I know I'm new, and you may be looking at me saying, Pastor Ryan, I think you're a real nice guy. I hope everybody's saying that, right? But let's just be honest. You may be saying, you know what, I don't necessarily trust everything you say because I don't know you good enough. And I get that. And I'm just going to say that fully and honestly. But I don't, I'm not asking you to trust me. I'm asking you to trust God. Trust God in me. Because I'm not up here puffing a bunch of smoke or giving you my own opinions, okay? And I, I can't wait for the opportunity to continue to grow with you guys and, and, and gals and know you more. Um, that's a great opportunity for me. But I'm just going to go ahead and say it. This is week two for me, and I know this is some deep stuff when it comes to finances. So if you're, if you're like, you know what, I'm not sure if I trust that guy or not, I want you to trust God in me. Because God, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Let's represent, amen, let's represent Goldsboro well. Let's represent our lives well when, when it comes to this. And I can, I'm new here, but I'm doing this with you. And I can promise you, God's word says it, and I'm going to come next week with something that is a sacrifice for me. Because guess what? It's not for the bridge, ultimately. It's for the King of Kings, and it's for the Lord of Lords. And this is an offering that we're going to give him that's fit for him. It may look different in your financial checkbook than it does mine or anybody else's, but it's going to be something that's a sacrifice for us all. And next week when we walk down these aisles and we drop it off, I want you to walk out of this, this, these doors or back to your seat, and I want you to say, God, I did everything I could. Now take this and use it for your glory. And I want you to be completely satisfied with, with, what's, with what you gave to the King of Kings. Can we do that together? Amen. I love every one of you. Um, if you have your Connect card still, please turn those in. If you're a first-time guest, stop by the VIP, uh, VIP table. And especially if you made a spiritual decision today, please check that off. We would love the opportunity to help give you next steps. And if not that, just pray with you. We want to make sure that you, we, we pray with you. We have staff that pray for people that are making these spiritual decisions and taking next steps. I'll talk with you next week. I want you to have a great week, and I want you to get out and not eat a microwavable meal. Eat something good today. I'll talk with you guys later.